Here we go. Today is Monday. Uh, May the fourth, the fourth be with you. I guess right. Uh, Two thousand twenty. And yeah, this is like Harry Potter celebration day, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter meets uh, Star Trek. Right, right. This is this is like when when Evil Kirk learns to play Quidditch. Correct. Exactly. Got it. And with That's awesome. with some tribbles right uh and uh, this is episode 251 of the defensive security podcast just five episodes away from the uh what is sure to be uh you know consequential two to the eighth power uh episode 256 it's true so if we make it if yeah we are, we are in the plague times we, we definitely are in the in the plague times uh, so just a reminder that the thoughts and opinions we express are ours and do not represent those of our employers. Uh, so probably be a little bit of a short show. Um, I you know just finally released the you know the the last one a week late. So sorry about that, everyone. Uh, first story today comes from securityweek.com and the title is "Recent Salt Vulnerabilities Exploited to Hack Lineage OS Ghost and Digicert Servers." I got to be honest, I was unaware of this particular application, but apparently it's a pretty big deal. A lot of, a lot of people use it, but I it just slipped by me. Yeah, it's quite flexible. I know, uh, I know a lot of organizations um, that use it to, to manage a pretty, pretty large scale organizations uh, across a diverse set of, um, of technology. So the one, you know, it's, it's, I would call it more of a framework as much of a framework as is anything right it's um you know, it's it's pretty flexible but it takes a lot of configuration uh, but it is it is pretty pretty widely used uh the story here is that last week there were two uh vulnerabilities disclosed one of them pretty um quite severe was a remote code execution vulnerability um cve or cvss uh, score of 10 and uh, in the uh, in, in the interceding days, a number of organizations have actually reported being hacked uh, through this. And uh, you know, I, I I don't think there's been any significant consequence. I mean, I'm sure there's organizations that have been hacked by this, and and either don't know it or <laughs> because often this is internet facing, right? I mean, this is usually a well, Internet-facing it should, app. Yeah, well, it shouldn't be, right? And that's the that's what I wanted to really talk about. Um, this the the ones that have been exploited were were exploited because they were uh, they were internet-facing. And over the weekend, after this was was known, some people were you know doing their Shodan uh, Shodan magic, and I think there were something like six thousand instances. Obviously, uh, um, on you know, accessible from the internet. Probably most of those probably not patched. But it's, it is interesting though that the uh, the three the name here don't appear to have suffered much in the way of damage. 
Uh, it looks like Lineage OS, which is a which is a, a distribution of Android. Uh, apparently, they got hit with Crypto Miner, which you know seems like a, a lost opportunity or <laughs> missed, missed opportunity for some bad guys. Yeah, it's almost like they had a preset payload with an automated vulnerability, you know, uh, exploit kit. And, you know, they just, hey, threw a new vulnerability into their exploit uh, script and kept the same payload. Yeah, and the same thing with um, with Ghost. Ghost, for for those of you who aren't aware, is a, it's a, um, it's a blogging platform uh, that, I think there's a, like a free open source version and then there's a hosted version. It's, it's quite- also the fourth best movie Patrick Swayze ever did. Ah, uh, well, good. That's the first being Roadhouse, of course. Of course, of course. Uh, you know, where else can you get this sort of hard-hitting news? It's, but, it, and, and it's amazing that you get it for free. I, it's true. It's true. It's, I, I go to. Every, I, I wake up every, every morning day. wondering, hey, what am I going to learn from Kale today? <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so. So anyway, um, Ghost, uh, they, they were there, some of their infrastructure was hit too with uh, crypto miners, and then Digicert was the third, uh, the, the third named uh, victim here, and apparently it was one of their sub- certificate transparency logs, um, and it's a little unclear to me exactly what happened um, if if their keys were stolen or or accessed or not. There's some discussion in in this and some other other forms that the certificate transparency logs after a particular time shouldn't be trusted. Uh, but by the way, they were in, apparently in the process of decommissioning this particular uh, uh, transparency log. So, uh, you know, again, didn't seem like a major massive uh, damage here. But again, I you know these are just the ones we've heard about because I think they had pretty um, you know, they, they were either high visibility like Digicert or they were open source like Ghost and, um, and Lineage OS. There's probably quite a few other organizations that were hit by this and either don't know it or have not uh, you know have, have not come forward and, and may actually may never come forward. But this is uh, you know this is something that I have been concerned about for quite some time, which is, you know, focus, uh, the, the increasing focus on uh, using IT tools, especially some of these cloud native automation tools, which in my experience tend to be less well managed, you know, because historically, and I've, I've gone on rants about this in the past, but historically development tools that were once buried deep in test labs and whatnot were often not managed as, you know, as, as production systems. And so when you say not well managed, like the code isn't hardened and they're not on a secure coding life cycle and that sort of thing, or do you mean like admin well? Uh, see all of the above. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, from especially the latter, right? From the perspective of of the the shop, the IT shops that are consuming these products, they they you know they historically have been again you know uh, 
run by development teams or managed by development teams and and um you know not not patched well or 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 timely because you know doing that causes delays in uh you know in development cycles and so on and so forth and my observation is that over time those tools have you know the the the, the development environment and the tools have changed pretty radically and the placement of them has obviously changed too as we've moved to more cloud native and and cloud centric uh, operations but i i don't perceive that a lot of organizations have really updated their their threat models and their you know the way they the way they think about these development tools i mean either either in in policy or in practice i mean sometimes organizations will you know will update their policy but it, it doesn't really translate into uh, changing how things are actually done um, you know but th- this is you know this is pretty concerning um, you know good news is you know again it doesn't seem like there were too many animals harmed in the making of this vulnerability that at least we what we see so far I really, really am concerned as an industry. We've got to get our arms around these, you know, these automation tools because they're not, they're no longer buried in the network and, and isolated and, um, you know, where, where they can't really harm anything. They're actually, you know, completely, uh, they're at the tip of the spear. You know, you, you compromise one of these things and effectively you can get, in many cases, to every component of the environment, including customer data and, and whatnot. So it's, um, you know, it, and it seems also, and I could be wrong, but not a lot of organizations may have really solid knowledge of running this sort of thing at the edge. Or, or you know, this is something we've seen before where certain code that's been relied on for lots of other code has a problem. And people don't even know that it's built into their code or that they're running some open source piece of, you know, we saw it like with, with OpenSSH, I believe, a year or two ago, that or something like that, where it was a very, very well-known and well-used piece of open code that was embedded into a whole bunch of things that people didn't realize was embedded into, and they had trouble knowing that they needed to patch. Uh, and I could see that with some of these other sorts of tools like this, especially if it's on the edge. So I don't have a good answer other than, you know, you really do need to understand what's inside the tools you're bringing up. That especially if it's internet facing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, a, it's discipline. It comes down to discipline. I, I I will say that I think one of the examples of what you were trying to get to was like um, Apache Struts. That was you know that was a piece of yeah. open source code that many organizations couldn't you know didn't identify that they had in their in their stuff, um, but. These are, there are a um, a dearth of of these automation tools, and they're evolving really rapidly, and and they're 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 kind of evolving around uh, the evolving DevOps and, and and DevSecOps models, and so you you know you kind of see the the do si do and you know, what was Jenkins or, you know, Ansible or, or, or Puppet or Chef or, you know, a couple of years ago is now, you know, something else. And so the, I, I, you know, I'm concerned that a lot of shops don't have, have time to develop competence and best practices and implementing uh, these things in a secure manner. You know, not to say that, you know, 
we should, uh, you know, intentionally, you know, hit the brakes, but we ought to, you know, we ought to make sure that they're, they're being deployed in somewhat of a secure uh, manner. It, <laughs> at least don't make them accessible from the, the wide open internet. Um, you know, but this is, I, by the way, I think this is really pointing to a bigger trend that I strongly expect to see, which is using IT tools against ourselves. You know, get, whether, you know, we've seen some examples of that. There was, a, I think, earlier this year, late last year, uh, one of the MSPs was compromised in their, you know, the, the automation tools they were used, or they, they had, were used to push ransomware to customers. And Well, it was heavily rumored that Target was true. Yep. Their internal system management system was used to distribute the malware to their POSs. Yeah. I, I don't know that we ever got confirmation of that, but it was heavily rumored. Correct. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, why not? I mean, if you're a bad guy uh, and you get into a system and you know to look for the automation tool, hey, it's efficient. Well, bad guys are lazy. It's it's efficient. Uh, they're they're often not well you know not well managed, and uh, they have they typically have a vantage point that allows you to do you know kind of un- take unilateral action across the entire organization. So like if it's you know if you wanted to get if you, if you wanted to completely compromise an organization in whatever way you you wanted to, this is. The, the place to do it, right? Whether you want to do sure. ransomware or steal their data or, um, you know, mine cryptocurrency and all of the desktops, it, it's one stop shop. I was thinking about this when I was running a vulnerability management tool. A lot of the vulnerability management tools have admin level rights to log into things to yeah. pull full inventories of stuff, like whatever you're running. That seems like a wonderful tool to go breach because it's usually got access to touch everything on the network and has credentials to everything on the network. Yeah, yeah, not many people. I mean, that that's going to probably, by the way, evade all of your uh, or most organizations' detection, right? Because you know, yeah, you got that tuned out. You got you got the the Vuln scanners tuned out because you expect to see bad stuff coming from them. Uh, and yeah, that I, I'm not. By the way, I've, it, it seems intuitive that this is likely to become you know, the Vuln scanners with uh, authenticated scans are likely to become a, a big problem. I've not seen it happen yet. That doesn't mean that it hasn't happened yet, but... Um, we need to sell a firewall to protect vulnerability scanners. That's true. As long as it has some artificial intelligence in it, yes. Oh, and, and blinky lights. Of course. And machine learning. Correct. Well, I said artificial intelligence, but yeah. And hybrid cloud aware. Correct. Yes, I mean it doesn't do anything. With it. It's just it's aware that it's there, but it doesn't doesn't right. actually do anything with it. it. Just knows about it. Correct. Absolutely. The VCs can can line up to the left. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, so so moving on to uh, the next story. This one comes from ZDNet. And the title is "Ransomware Mentioned in One Thousand Plus SEC Filings Over the Past Year." Uh, so so not a you know, it's not no specific incident to talk about here but you know we've over the past several weeks we've been talking a lot about the evolving landscape of ransomware and uh in the u.s at least the securities and exchange commission which which oversees public companies and dictates what 
companies must disclose to investors has been pretty activist in in communicating that uh, the companies need to to enumerate what kinds of cyber risks they might be uh, susceptible to. And so we're, the the story here is that we're seeing a lot of of companies, including some you know household names like uh, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, American Airlines, McDonald's. Tupperware and, and Pluralsight, which is kind of interesting because that's a, an IT security learning uh, platform, uh, are, are disclosing uh, yes, uh, the, the threat of ransomware in their, uh, you know, in their SEC filings to investors. So pr- pretty, uh, you know, pretty interesting stuff. Well, it just tells us that it's up at the board level of awareness now. Yes, yeah, and they they point now, out they they did point out that uh, the average um, the average impact is about a uh, for a ransomware attack is about one hundred and ten thousand dollars. That's just the average, you know. This probably follows more of a power law distribution. So there's probably a whole bunch in the on the lower end than a few, you know, in in you know much much higher. Yeah, and this doesn't. This isn't saying that all these companies have had ransomware. It's just that they're aware of it as a potential risk that could Im- materially impact their earnings, uh, which exactly. is why it's in their filings. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, it's interesting. Yeah. Yep. They pointed out. Uh, they, they talked about you know the the recent attack on Norsk uh, Hydro, which uh, apparently suffered about seventy five million dollars in, uh, in in costs resulting from their attack. But you know that's that's the the whole point of this is to uh, is for these organizations to communicate the potential risk to their investors, and it's interesting to me that ransomware has now uh, gotten to that level where it's something that you know just the 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 specter of a ransomware attack is something that has to be disclosed, uh, you know, to to investors. Um, Which is interesting because, you know, my way of thinking, ransomware is the result, uh, not the cause. Uh, ransomware is the payload. So in my mind, you really should be talking about the exploit methodology because it could be easily shift to something else. Now, ransomware in and of itself is a very impactful exploit and a very costly exploit. So I could get that. But it's actually, in my mind, not talking about the true symptom. The true symptom is, however, that ransomware got in in the first place. Because the ransomware got in, something else could get in. Whether that be, you know, industrial espionage, exfiltration, whether that be, I don't know, anything. Well, so really, it's a really interesting point because, you know, c- companies suffer potentially all sorts of different types of attacks. And... And you're right, but this is the one that they choose. This is the the end of the chain that they choose to disclose. They don't choose to disclose that there's a, a you know a risk of the, having their intellectual property stolen or. Which makes me wonder if this is being driven by either the SEC auditors or the big four uh, consulting firms, and it's now in vogue to do this. Possibly, I I suspect that there's also a likelihood issue too, right? You know, if you if you get hit by, I, I think a lot of organizations probably have come to to acknowledge that on any given day you're kind of rolling the dice of whether you go into work and you know you're going to have 
a big ransomware problem or not. And if you do, it's front page news. Yeah. You know, you can't hide it. That it's If it's, you're a public company, sure. If you're a public company, right. It's it's going to be out there. And then probably there's there's also downstream impacts too. Like if you're, uh, you know, given what we've talked about a lot in the past with the, you know, the, the new trend to not only encrypt your data, but steal it and then threaten to disclose it. You know, it's, it's, there, there's no longer the discussion point of did the, or, well, I should say rarely, it's, it's not a given anymore that the data wasn't necessarily accessed by, uh, by malicious actors. And that has implications for things like GDPR and HIPAA and, and, you know, the, all the other data privacy laws, which, you know, is, is a potential cost of the, you know, the having, having one of these attacks, right? Because if you're, you're, you're you hit you get hit by ransomware and your all of your european personal information is taken now you're you're potentially looking at a you know a significant fine in addition to all the other costs that come along with one of these attacks yeah that's fair so uh anyway so you got to turn on you got to turn on the protect against ransomware button that's correct on your blinky box that's correct and you should put that extra ransomware firewall on your network right Absolutely. Uh, look, the, you know that there's no easy answer, and I think that's and that's the, well, that's, the challenge, right? That's why it's effective? It is. It is. But we have to we have to improve um, because we're you know it, it's um in in the in the past if an organization fell victim to ransomware and you know they lost all of their data. It was really a harm. I mean, for the most part, there were obviously edge cases like hospitals and whatnot, but it was really a harm to the company. And and now with the recent trend, it's you know, it is a it is more of a potential harm to the people whose data you as an organization are holding. And by recent trend, you mean the ransomware guys grabbing data exactly. and threatening to leak it and leaking it. When they're not getting the ransom paid, exactly. So, so it's no yeah. longer just the organization that's been hacked and right. ransomware that's you know that's suffering. It's also, um, you know, it's also the you know, the end individuals whose data these companies hold. And so there's a, you know, there's a an obligation uh, to to protect uh, that data, where which I think is even more acute. There's it was always there, right? But I think it's much more acute now and and we really have to get on the business and get about the business of of enhancing our protections and detection so that we um, you know we don't fall victim to this stuff. Well, I don't know what the exact stats are, but I'd be willing to wager 75% of ransomware comes in via email. So, I mean that seems to be where we should focus our attention of having really strong email protections. Uh, and and running them very very effectively, and that's an interesting problem that I've seen in some companies. That some of the email protections are being run by a messaging team or an email team, not necessarily a security team, and sometimes you've got a conflict of interest there, or, or at least competing, you know, incentives of false positives versus false negatives, blocking emails, uh, 
you know, that need to get to, to people uh, that might be suspected malicious but aren't. Uh, there's a whole bunch of weird incentives that kind of come into play, competing incentives when you start talking about email security. But I, I, uh, email is incredibly risky, and we're not doing a good job of solving that problem. After 20 years, it's still incredibly risky. And you know, you pair that with a little bit of social engineering, you're you're gonna get success hits. You're gonna you're going to get people to click or do what you want them to do. And it's not because they're stupid or dumb or anything. It's, it's just the way that social engineering is very effective at attacking people psychologically. So, I mean, that's where I would focus my attention is having a really good control point around my email and looking at some dedicated email security products that are run very, very effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, Certainly, email is is uh, you know the the uh, <laughs> going to be a popular tool for attackers probably till the end of time. Um, but we are, as we've talked about in the past, there's there are evolving uh, other channels, right? RDP is a is a popular way. Open RDP servers, um, you know, web uh, compromising web applications, and so on. So it's um it's a difficult problem. There isn't one solution and you know we which is you know why they call it work right we, we yeah but we try to offer you know solutions on the show and it's, yeah. it's tough that yeah. this one's just a lot of the basics and the block and tackling if you know again because there's so many different ways to exploit and ransomware is the payload when you focus on the payload you sometimes forget that that payload can be delivered many 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 different ways right but i i, I think the the core issue is that the the real you know the real solution or or a large part of the solution is the is kind of the unsexy work of of patching and designing networks well and designing permission models well and um you know and and, and doing a good job of vulnerability scanning and keeping keeping track of what middleware and 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 um you know components you have on your your web servers and you know the the these things are not um you know they're not cutting edge machine learning i mean i suppose maybe you can you know, if you have creative people you can turn this into interesting challenging problems but at the end of the day it's basic block and tackling for the most part and um we just have to we have to keep focus on it Indeed, I don't disagree. All right, well, uh, that is all the time we have for today. I uh, definitely appreciate all of your uh, attention, and I, I really do hope everybody is uh, is doing well. That your your families are are healthy and well, and uh, that you know your your life will get back to normal uh, relatively soon. So, all all Absolutely. the best, all the best to you. All right. Well, we will talk again soon. Uh, thanks to our Patreon donors. Um, and I, I think there's there's probably going to be some news about conferences being rescheduled soon. So we may have some uh, some things to talk about there coming up in, in the near future. Indeed. Thanks, guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. Always appreciate all the donations. Hey, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I'm at Lurg, L-E-R-G, and Jerry's at Malicious Link. Or just, you know, look for the llamas. That's Follow the llamas. Follow the llamas, that's right. All right, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.